Part 1, Chapter 5, Section 40 of The Life of Jesus Critically Examined by David Friedrich Strauss, translated by George Eliot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 1, History of the Birth and Childhood of Jesus. Chapter 5, The First Visit to the Temple and the Education of Jesus. Section 40, Jesus, When Twelve Years Old, in the Temple. The Gospel of Matthew passes in silence over the entire period from the return of the parents of Jesus out of Egypt to the baptism of Jesus by John, and even Luke has nothing to tell us of the long interval between the early childhood of Jesus and his maturity beyond a single incident, his demeanor on a visit to the temple in his twelfth year. From chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. This anecdote out of the early youth of Jesus is, as Hess has truly remarked, distinguished from the narratives hitherto considered, belonging to his childhood, by the circumstance that Jesus no longer, as in the latter, holds a merely passive position, but presents an active proof of his high destination, a proof which has always been especially valued, as indicating the moment in which the consciousness of that destination was kindled in Jesus. In his twelfth year, the period at which, according to Jewish usage, the boy became capable of an independent participation in the sacred rites, the parents of Jesus, as this narrative informs us, took him for the first time to the Passover. At the expiration of the feast, the parents bent their way homewards. That their son was missing gave them no immediate anxiety, because they supposed him to be among their travelling companions. It was not until after they had accomplished a day's journey, and in vain sought their son among their kinsfolk and acquaintance, that they turned back to Jerusalem to look for him there. This conduct on the part of the parents of Jesus may with reason excite surprise. It seems inconsistent with the carefulness which it has been thought incumbent on us to attribute to them, that they should have allowed the divine child entrusted to their keeping to remain so long out of their sight and hence they have on many sides been accused of neglect and a dereliction of duty in the instance before us it has been urged as a general consideration in vindication of joseph and mary that the greater freedom permitted to the boy is easily conceivable as part of a liberal method of education but even according to our modern ideas, it would seem more than liberal for parents to let a boy of twelve years remain out of their sight during so long an interval as our narrative supposes. How far less reconcilable must it then be with the more rigid views of education held by the ancients, not excepting the Jews? It is remarked, however, that viewing the case as an extraordinary one, the parents of Jesus knew their child, and they could therefore very well confide in his understanding and character, so far as to be in no fear that any danger would accrue to him from his unusual freedom. But we can perceive from their subsequent anxiety that they were not so entirely at ease on that head. Thus, their conduct must be admitted to be such as we should not have anticipated but it is not, consequently, incredible, nor does it suffice to render the entire narrative improbable, 
for the parents of jesus are no saints to us that we should not impute to them any fault returned to jerusalem they find their son on the third day in the temple doubtless in one of the outer halls in the midst of an assembly of doctors engaged in a conversation with them and exciting universal astonishment from verse forty five and following from some indications it would seem that jesus held a higher position in the presence of the doctors than could belong to a boy of twelve years the word kathezomenon or sitting has excited scruples for according to jewish records it was not until after the death of the rabbi gamaliel an event long subsequent to the one described in our narrative that the pupils of the rabbins sat they having previously been required to stand when in the school but this jewish tradition is of doubtful authority it has also been thought a difficulty that jesus does not merely hear the doctors but also asks them questions thus appearing to assume the position of their teacher such is indeed the representation of the apocryphal gospels for in them jesus before he is twelve years old perplexes all the doctors by his questions and reveals to his instructor in the alphabet the mystical significance of the characters while at the above visit to the temple he proposes controversial questions such as that touching the messiah's being at once david's son and lord matthew chapter twenty two verse forty one and proceeds to throw light on all departments of knowledge if the expressions erotan and apocrinesthai implied that jesus played the part of a teacher in this scene so unnatural a feature in the evangelical narrative would render the whole suspicious but there is nothing to render this interpretation of the words necessary for according to jewish custom rabbinical teaching was of such a kind that not only did the masters interrogate the pupils but the pupils interrogated the masters when they wished for explanations on any point we may with the more probability suppose that the writer intended to attribute to jesus such questions as suited a boy because he apparently not without design refers the astonishment of the doctors not to his questions but to that in which he could best show himself in the light of an intelligent pupil namely to his answers a more formidable difficulty is the statement that the boy jesus sat in the midst of the doctors for we learn from paul from acts chapter twenty two verse three the position that became a pupil when he says that he was brought up at the feet of gamaliel it being the custom for the rabbins to be placed on chairs while their pupils sat on the ground and did not take their places among their masters it has indeed been thought that en meso might be so explained as to signify either that jesus sat between the doctors who are supposed to have been elevated on chairs while jesus and the other pupils are pictured as sitting on the ground between them or merely that he was in the company of doctors that is in the synagogue but according to the strict sense of the words the expression kath and meso appears to signify 
if not as shotgun believes in mehorem yesu gloriam a place of preeminent honour at least a position of equal dignity with that occupied by the rest it need only be asked would it harmonize with the spirit of our narrative to substitute cathes omenon para tus podas don didas kalon for zomenon en meso ton didas kalon the answer will certainly be in the negative and it will then be inevitable to admit that our narrative places jesus in another relation to the doctors than that of a learner though the latter is the only natural one for a boy of twelve however highly gifted for olhausen's position that in jesus nothing was formed from without by the instrumentality of another's wisdom because this would be inconsistent with the character of the messiah as absolutely self-determined contradicts a dogma of the church which he himself advances namely that jesus in his manifestation as man followed the regular course of human development for not only is it in the nature of this development to be gradual but also and still more essentially to be dependent whether it be mental or physical on the interchange of reception and influence to deny this in relation to the physical life of jesus to say for example that the food which he took did not serve for the nourishment and growth of his body by real assimilation but merely furnished occasion for him to reproduce himself from within would strike everyone as docetism and is the analogous proposition in relation to his spiritual development namely that he appropriated nothing from without and used what he heard from others merely as a voice to evoke one truth after another from the recesses of his own mind is this anything else than a more refined docetism truly if we attempt to form a conception of the conversation of jesus with the doctors in the temple according to this theory we make anything but a natural scene of it it is not to be supposed that he taught nor properly speaking that he was taught but that the discourse of the doctors merely gave an impetus to his power of teaching himself and was the occasion for an ever brightening light to rise upon him especially on the subject of his own destination but in that case he would certainly have given utterance to his newly acquired knowledge so that the position of a teacher on the part of the boy would return upon us a position which olhausen himself pronounces to be preposterous at least such an indirect mode of teaching is involved as ness subscribes to when he supposes that jesus even thus early made the first attempt to combat the prejudices which swayed in the synagogue exposing to the doctors by means of good-humoured questions and requests for explanation such as are willingly permitted to a boy the weakness of many of their dogmas but even such a position on the part of a boy of twelve is inconsistent with the true process of human development through which it behooved the god-man himself to pass discourse of this kind from a boy must we grant have excited the astonishment of all the hearers nevertheless 
the expression ex istano pantes oi acuontes autu from verse forty seven looks too much like a panegyrical formula the narrative proceeds to tell us how the mother of jesus reproached her son when she had found him thus asking him why he had not spared his parents the anguish of their sorrowful search to this jesus returns an answer which forms the point of the entire narrative he asks whether they might not have known that he was to be sought nowhere else than in the house of his father in the temple from verse forty eight and following one might be inclined to understand this designation of god as tu patros generally as implying that god was the father of all men and only in this sense the father of jesus but this interpretation is forbidden not only by the addition of the pronoun mu the above sense requiring hemon as in matthew chapter six verse nine but still more absolutely by the circumstance that the parents of jesus did not understand these words from verse fifty a decided indication that they must have a special meaning which can here be no other than the mystery of the messiahship of jesus who as messiah was uios theu in a peculiar sense but that jesus in his twelfth year had already the consciousness of his messiahship is a position which although it may be consistently adopted from the orthodox point of view and although it is not opposed to the regular human form of the development of jesus which even orthodoxy maintains we are not here bound to examine so also the natural explanation which retains the above narrative as a history though void of the miraculous and which accordingly supposes the parents of jesus owing to a particular combination of circumstances to have come even before his birth to a conviction of his messiahship and to have instilled this conviction into their son from his earliest childhood this too may make it plain how jesus could be so clear as to his messianic relation to god but it can only do so by the hypothesis of an unprecedented coincidence of extraordinary accidents we on the contrary who have renounced the previous incidents as historical either in the supernatural or the natural sense are unable to comprehend how the consciousness of his messianic destination could be so early developed in jesus for though the consciousness of a more subjective vocation as that of a poet or an artist which is dependent solely on the internal gifts of the individual gifts which cannot long remain latent may possibly be awakened very early an objective vocation in which the conditions of external reality are a chief cooperator as the vocation of a statesman the general the reformer of a religion can hardly be so early evident to the most highly endowed individual because for this a knowledge of contemporary circumstances would be requisite which only long observation and mature experience can confer of the latter kind is the vocation of the messiah and if this is implied in the words by which jesus in his twelfth year 
justified his lingering in the temple, he cannot have uttered the words at that period. In another point of view, also, it is worthy of notice that the parents of Jesus are said, in verse 50, not to have understood the words which he addressed to them. What did these words signify? That God was his Father, in whose house it behooved him to be. But that her son would, in a specific sense, be called a uios theu, had been already made known to Mary by the annunciating angel, in Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 35, and that he would have a peculiar relation to the temple she might infer, both from the above title and from the striking reception which he had met with at his first presentation in the temple, when yet an infant. The parents of Jesus, or at least Mary, of whom it is repeatedly noticed that she carefully kept in her heart the extraordinary communications concerning her son, ought not to have been in the dark a single moment as to the meaning of his language on this occasion. But even at the presentation in the temple, we are told that the parents of Jesus marveled at the discourse of Simeon, from verse 33 which is merely saying, in other words, that they did not understand him. And their wonder is not referred to the declaration of Simeon that their boy would be a cause, not only of the rising again, but of the fall of many in Israel, and that a sword would pierce through the heart of his mother, an aspect of his vocation and destiny on which nothing had previously been communicated to the parents of Jesus and at which therefore they might naturally wonder for these discourses are not made by simeon until after the wonder of the parents which is caused only by simeon's expressions of joy at the sight of the saviour who would be the glory of israel and a light even to the gentiles and here again there is no intimation that the wonder was excited by the idea that Jesus would bear this relation to the heathens, which, indeed, it could not well be, since this more extended destination of the Messiah had been predicted in the Old Testament. There remains, therefore, as a reason for the wonder in question, merely the fact of the child's messiahship declared by Simeon a fact which had been long ago announced to them by angels, and which was acknowledged by Mary in her song of praise. We have just a parallel difficulty in the present case, it being as inconceivable that the parents of Jesus should not understand his allusion to his messianic character, as that they should wonder at the declaration of it by Simeon. We must therefore draw this conclusion. If the parents of Jesus did not understand these expressions of their son when twelve years old, those earlier communications cannot have happened. Or, if the earlier communications really occurred, the subsequent expressions of Jesus cannot have remained incomprehensible to them. Having done away with those earlier incidents as historical, we might content ourselves with this latter want of comprehension were it not fair to mistrust the whole of a narrative whose latter portions agree so ill with the preceding. For it is the character, not of an historical record, but of a marvelous legend, to represent its personages as so permanently in a state of wonder 
that they not only at the first appearance of the extraordinary but even at the second third tenth repetition when one would expect them to be familiarized with it continually are astonished and do not understand obviously with the view of exalting the more highly the divine impartation by this lasting incomprehensibleness so to draw an example from the later history of jesus the divine decree of his suffering and death is set forth in all its loftiness in the evangelical narratives by the circumstance that even the repeated explicit disclosures of jesus on this subject remain throughout incomprehensible to the disciples as here the mystery of the messiahship of jesus is exalted by the circumstance that his parents often as it had been announced to them at every fresh word on the subject are anew astonished and do not understand the twofold form of conclusion that the mother of jesus kept all these sayings in her heart verse fifty one and that the boy grew in wisdom and stature and so forth we have already recognized as a favorite form of conclusion and transition in the heroic legend of the hebrews in particular that which relates to the growth of the boy is almost verbally parallel with a passage relating to samuel as in two former instances similar expressions appeared to have been borrowed from the history of samson End of section forty